in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are now rocking with your boy, I'll be sure. And of course, I had to bring on the people's champ that is Jeremy Gillen to talk about the Big 12 tournament as Texas Tech made it all the way to the finals, but falls just short, losing to Kansas. So what is up, Jeremy? The people's champ, but not a Big 12 champ, and that's okay. It's a little bit upset in the wake of it, but the further we've gotten away with the selection Sunday done and over, I have a new wind. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I did predict Tech would go to the finals and lose to Kansas. That is what happened. Kansas is a very good team, very good school. They're the, according to the committee, they're the number three overall school in the country. Well-deserved, right? Uh, I, I personally, as I said it a while, I thought Tech was a three seed no matter what happened in the tournament. And guess who else thought that? The committee. Because not only are we a three seed still in the tournament, we are the worst three seed in the tournament. We're going to talk a little bit more about the tournament later in, uh, later in this episode. But I do want to really really hone in on the Big 12 tournament, what that was. So first game, we play Iowa State. We look beautiful. We look great. Blow them out. <laughs> Second game, play Oklahoma, do not look beautiful. We go another eight-minute stretch without scoring a basket. Uh, and by the grace of God, towards the end, Kevin McCullough makes one of the best defensive plays of the entire year on Gibson, strips the ball for him to win the game. Tech, uh, Tech wins that one. And then we go up against Kansas. And in this Kansas game, Jeremy, in the finals, this is a game where Tech had the lead. They had a one-point lead with roughly, what, eight minutes to go. And yep. um, Kansas kind of pulled away at the end. But I think two things that most fans are going to talk about in this game, uh, one, turnovers, 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 untimely turnovers by Texas Tech, but two, officiate. And you know how we are on this pod. We do not like talking about <laughs> officiating. And personally, I I will ne- almost never, I'm not going to say never, but almost never blame Russ for a loss. And I don't blame Russ for a loss here. But, but it was a little bit of an issue. What did you think about that game? Yeah, I mean, if you're living in the world of Texas Tech, you're living in the world of the Big 12, which means you're living in the world of just rough officiating. I have <laughs> it, Kansas fans will also argue that there was officiating, bad officiating in the game, but they'd argue it on their side. Now, um, I think the first thing you have to look at is uh, the turnovers, man. I think turnovers have been plaguing us a lot more lately. And, you know, Mark Adams' big thing is like eight turnovers game. Eight turnovers, um, that's the sweet spot. If we can limit it to eight, then we're going to be doing a lot better than the other team. Uh, Also, the second thing he's ever said about uh, in regards to Kansas is you got to score 70 points. We didn't get 70 points and we left actually a lot out there on free throws, um, I th- which I think, which, you know, a lot of fans would be like, they're called free throws for a reason. Um, now I will say Santos Silva shooting three for the free throws was kind of ugly because he's shooting with his uh, non-dominant hand because his dominant hand is hurt. That's a problem. Um, something to keep an eye out for coming, uh, going forward in the tournament. Um, but we actually got off 61 shots this game, 61 shots and only made uh, 27 of them. Now I'm not asking for, you know, 50% shooting. But if you look at Kansas side, they made 51 or they took 51 and made 22. We're actually sitting percentage wise, very similar with the Jayhawks. And we actually shot better from three. So when I look at these major stats, 
I'm like, where are those points coming from? Aha! <laughs> if you look down, <laughs> 25 points uh, from the charity stripe. It's hard to ignore, man. And Listen. I understand that the game flow and all that, and you argue, oh, well, Texas Tech's very aggressive. But this game, Kansas was uh, the Kansas was ugly under the basket. They were playing an aggressiveness that they were, re- yeah. 32 free throws attempted is devil's work. Okay. That is so many free throws. That is so (laughs) many. I think, and 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 I I I still believe that you you cannot just show me free throw disparity and and that is the end all be all of of bias. Why you lost. That's that's just well, not just why you lost, but like bias efficient. Everybody likes a lot of say like, oh well, they shot way more free throws than us. So so that just shows you that the referees were in their favor. No, that usually tells you how the game was played. Um, mm. However, this game was a little different because I thought both teams <laughs> played pretty similarly. We drove to the basket just as much as Kansas did. We just didn't get the same calls. Now, I will say that we did a lot of the jump, the, a lot of the uh, jump shots, a lot or not jump shots, but jump stops. Jump stops right, where you're driving to the, driving the lane, stopping on a dime, trying to hit a, hit a floater, trying to hit some of the the hooks, and it wasn't going in. And we did that a lot more than Kansas did. However, there's also a lot of times where we just drove into the basket. Did what Kansas was doing, which is driving to the basket, kind of like a, I don't want to say a bull in the china shop, but trying to get a good layup, trying to get a foul call, didn't get it. Same thing happens on the other side. Kansas got the foul. Now, mm. in my opinion, you either call both of them fouls or call none of them fouls, but you got to do something consistently. Didn't really see that 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 often. Now, again, I don't think that's the reason why we lost. We also didn't make our free throws, right? Um, it got a little yeah. better at the end, but only 46% from the field from the line. That is not good, right? And talking about Santos Silva, he only attempted two. Right, but Nadoni missed both of his free throws. Mm-hmm. Warren missed one of his free throws. Bryson Williams, who's usually a pretty good free throw shooter, missed both of his free throws. So it's um we weren't making them either. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a catch me two on that end. But I, you know, it's this is a tough game to watch and not say something on the officiating end. Um, there was one foul, like there was one foul that that uh, I'm trying to remember who exactly it was. I think it was uh, Davion Warren who was just chilling outside of the, outside of the restricted area. Uh, Brown went up for, a, for that floater on the baseline. Warren was just chilling, taking his time, buying his time in one spot, was out there for about 35 minutes. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and Brown lands on him. And personally, I would have done a no call. Instead, mm-hmm. not only did they call a foul, they call blocking. And that's one of those fouls where it seemed like the ref just really didn't know, but he felt like uh, it yeah. had to be called. And he just flipped the coin and guessed which one it was. And, and, and listen, that happens sometimes. That's just, but that doesn't make it right. That was a bad call. Um, right. That was a bad call. Shout out to Andy from the Rock Talk podcast to talk about all the flops we were doing. Here's one thing all charges are flops. I will say that all charges are flops. It don't matter either get rid of the rule, but if you don't have the rule, enforce the rule properly. And I don't think the rule was properly enforced in this game whatsoever. Yeah, if you're gonna, it, it, it's a, it's part of the game now. It, it's a part of the game, and that's just the nature of it. People are gonna be looking for it. Uh, our game against Oklahoma, Omota Gibson. I don't know if you got to see that when he shot that three, just immediately dropped. It didn't get touched, but he dropped just to see if the ref would get it. Uh, it it's just like it's just becoming a part of the game, and, and I'm with you. Like either it's got the rules got to change, or you just got to expect it coming. Um, also, a, a difficult part about this tournament after we knocked out Iowa State. Um, that stadium was blue. That stadium was blue as it gets. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, uh, it is Lawrence East, and I think that that is. Uh, I mean, I understand. No matter where you pull it, it's going to be some team. Like some team's going to have the advantage. I'm a big fan of this idea of like a rotating tournament home site, um, whatever. But like, it's just. 
that's really hard for the guys to go out and play. And they've been used to home <laughs> home arenas in a lot of different places. So it's really hard for them to, to beat Kansas when Kansas has that kind of momentum and that kind of home crowd and that kind of home cooking. Uh, but just truthfully, like it was just, you know, Kansas got the momentum late and then just put the pedal, you know, just put the pedal to the metal and tech had, no, say, had nothing to keep up. I want to tell you something about three, maybe four years ago when we were on our old blog, I tweeted from the blog's account that it is unfair that this tournament is in Kansas City every year. It should be in Oklahoma City. And all these Iowa State fans and Kansas fans came down to me. Oh, Texas Tech's finally good. And now all of a sudden you want to change everything in the Big 12. That was what I was told. This was four years ago this happened, Jeremy. And look where we are four years later, still complaining about the same thing. I will say this. Um, it used to be rotating. They used to rotate, uh, from what I understand, between Oklahoma City, Dallas, and and and, and Kansas City. And back then, attendance sucked, right? And I, and I get that. Attendance sucked everywhere else, so you want to keep it where you know attendance is going to be good. In Kansas City, attendance is always good because you know either Kansas or Iowa State will always be good. They will always be in the running. Good chance one of them will make it to the finals, right? At the very least, the semifinals, right? Um, sure, you can throw Kansas State in there too, but that's not always a guarantee. And, you know, yeah. the fan base isn't as strong as the other two. Um, that was then. This is now. I'm not – I actually, to be honest, in my opinion, I don't – I think you have to rotate. I think Oklahoma City is as central as you can possibly be. That you get eight teams within five and a half hours of Oklahoma City. Eight of the mm-hmm. ten conference teams, and, the, yeah. and one of the ten conference teams, Ames, which is it is I think about seven hours away, they'll travel. So that's my thing is is that right now things have changed. Tech and Baylor's programs so much better than they were fifteen years ago when this was happening. Right, mm-hmm. the, the the fan bases are much better at both Tech and Baylor. They'll travel. Right. Um, Oklahoma, of course, it's going to be in Oklahoma's backyard. Stillwater, Stillwater, again, they're a sleeping giant when it, when it comes to their being having a fan base. They'll travel. And then we already know Kansas and Iowa State will travel. Oklahoma City to me. Also, basketball in Oklahoma has changed with Oklahoma City Thunder. Back then, Oklahoma City, they didn't have a professional NBA team. So there's just mm-hmm. so many different things. Um, rotating could work. I could easily see a situation where you rotate it and Dallas still sucks as a, as a site, to be honest. Um, yeah. But but I think Oklahoma City is the perfect central location mm-hmm. or you're going to continue to see home court home courts for Kansas and Iowa State in Kansas City. And it's to where yeah. it's just Tech played two road games in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Flat, it wasn't neutral. It was two road games. Um, yep. So so that is that is just not going to be great. But like you said, Tech did lose their second road game to Kansas, 74-65. Um, as we get ready to the tournament, Jeremy's not going to be on the second half of the episode, but but Jeremy, initial thoughts on the tournament, Tech three seed in the West? Uh, you know, I, I, early on, I was kind of upset about the draw or like the idea of not being in the South just because I was really excited about, you know, I mean, Texas Tech in the South is a great, is a great thing for tech fans for us to travel, for us to be there, for us to support the guys early on in the tournament. Uh, with the draw in the West, I like some of the teams. I like some of the teams that we're going up against. I like the, you know, you've got Gonzaga who is kind of like this, the Titan, of course, uh, of the, of the region, but, uh, but, but beatable, right? I mean, they're not impossible. And so you've got Alabama who early in the season was, <laughs> Yeah, right. It was early in the season who was looking like world beaters, but they've really fizzled out. Uh, I mean, you've got a bunch of smaller teams throughout there that can like be good competitors, but this is easily in my mind, like you can see a path where Texas Tech makes its way to the Elite Eight. Uh, and I'm sure that we'll talk about that later on and like explore that. But I think that we got a really good draw because if we do get to that second weekend, then we come back to the South. Am I wrong? 
Uh, no, nah, I mean, they will still be out in San Francisco. But, um, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, I just, we're, sorry, we're, just did in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Well, I will say uh, this. If I'm not a scabs point. Final point is I'm just not, I, I, I'm confident about it. Like, I feel like these guys can go out and do something with where they're at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And make sure to be like Jeremy. We have a bracket challenge. But Jeremy set hmm. up. Jeremy and Kenzie set up. Bracket, tortillas and takes bracket challenge. Go on ESPN.com. Fill in tortillas and takes. Um, and you, you, we have great prizes. If you win, if you win it all, you get a six pack of wine from our ad partner, Fields of Gold Cellars out in Lubbock. Um, bro, that's six wine, it's bottles of wine, six, six packs. wine, six wines, six, a uh, six pack bottle of wine from Fields of Gold. And let me tell you something the wines at Fields of Gold, whew, it's, it's, it's so delicious, so great. Um, I'm a wine drinker myself. Personally, like me a nice little Merlot. Nice Malbecs are great too. I'm a, I'm a red guy, uh, but Fields of Gold definitely has some pretty great wines out there, out in, in Lubbock. And you're gonna get a six pack if you sign up for this bracket challenge and you win it. You come in second, you get a Google Home Mini, right? You can get up, up, upgrade your house, upgrade your house a little bit with a Google Home. Get Mini. yourself an assistant. Get yourself an assistant, exactly. Uh, and for second place, and if you get third place, you get a one year free subscription to Red Raider Sports. Right. They are. We are the official podcast of Red Raider Sports. And you get that subscription on the house, on us, on tortillas and takes uh, for coming in third place. If you don't get top three, get better. As simple as that. Get better at filling out your brackets. I don't know what else to tell you. Right. So. uh, uh, So with that, um, like I said, we are the official podcast of Red Raider Sports. Um, But and if if you got the money to get, get on Red Raider Sports, you got you got everything in order, but you really are thinking to yourself, man, I, I need a way to really enhance my portfolio and enhance some of the, some of the money-making endeavors that I have, right. Then you need to hook up with my man, Adam Goldman with franchise, with the franchise coach, right. Get the franchise coach on your side, go to franchisecoach.net and see, and, and, and talk to him, talk to Adam. He's a great franchise consultant. He actually has already helped three Red Raiders in the past year alone and consulting them and getting them a franchise to hook up. You want to get yourself a McDonald's. You want to get yourself a Subway. You want to get yourself some of the most successful franchises that are out there, but you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to expand and how to make more money to help yourself out to get, uh, or to help yourself out, hit up Adam. Guess what? It's a free service. It's free. You don't got to pay the guy. He only gets paid when you get paid. Isn't that fantastic? Um, so hook him up franchise coach dot, so with that, it is now time to talk about where Texas Tech stands in the NCAA tournament. So if you were under a rock, you didn't get a chance to see the Selection Sunday show. Uh, we are here to break it to you. Texas Tech is opening as a three seed in the West region. Tech does not get the coveted South seed or South region that we all were hoping for and planning for. But we do get a three seed and a pretty favorable matchup. First round matchup against 14 seeded. Montana State, uh, who we would play in the second round, would be the winner of the game between six-seeded Alabama, and, and they will be playing the winner of a playing game, which is between Notre Dame and Rutgers. So a lot of variables up in the air, um, but I kind of didn't I, I didn't even reveal who we had as, on as a guest. Our guest for this show right now is Chris Level from Red Raider Sports. Uh, he is here to really talk NCAA tournament and more Red Raider basketball as we go further in the postseason. What's going on, Chris? 
Hunter, man, uh, we are all, uh, we were been waiting for, you know, this week, I, I guess for the, really the last two to three months, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Red Raiders knew they were going to the tournament, I don't know, uh, a month ago. You, you felt like unless the wheels just fell off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, here, here it is. And after a really fun but long week in Kansas City, you know, and, and I and going thinking about that part of it, I don't, I, I'd love to have known how different things would look because so much of the of, of where you get placed in the bracket depends on what else is going on. Mm-hmm. But I would have loved to have known if you lose to Iowa State, say on Thursday night, you know, what where where you're sitting at today because it it looks like I mean you win two games and lose to Kansas, which is a, a home environment for the Jayhawks, and you were the last three seed to be announced, I didn't. I, I, it appears that in some ways the Big Twelve wasn't given as much credit as maybe we thought. I don't know. It's bizarre. Yeah, nothing changed. To be honest, I, I think if you yeah. we lose to Iowa State that first game, we're probably still the weakest three seed. But at least there's, there's some some uh, validity to that, right? Like us being winning those two games, and then playing a tough like Kansas is right now, according to the committee, is the third best team in the country. And you take Kansas all the way to the wire, but it doesn't mean anything. You're still the worst three seed. That's a big reason why we got placed in the West region. I think if they move us even slightly above to, I think, number 11 or 10, we're, we're sitting in the South region. We are, we're sitting right where we want to be, but us, the committee just didn't feel like we were deserving of moving up. Um, obviously a win against Kansas probably changes things, but I don't think it should have taken that much to get there. Yeah, and and maybe it had more to do with some of those road losses, you know, because that's what uh, an albatross on your resume is just that road record of what is it, three and seven. So you know, and, and I, I it was pointed out to me earlier, man. Tennessee got some credit here. You have a head-to-head win over them. Well, Tennessee also went and won their conference tournament, you know. So they 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 talk about. You know, there's all kinds of criteria available, and it's up to the committee to kind of pick and choose what is important to them to break ties. So you you just never know. But uh, but yeah, um, I mean, bottom line is you're headed west. I mean, it would be San Diego and then San Francisco, and it could be a, a rematch against Gonzaga at the end of the day on the West Coast. And I think you would sign up for that right now. You, you would potentially have a chance to end Mike Shashevsky's career. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some storylines there. Absolutely. Uh, but the first, yeah, first things first, uh, the Bobcats of Montana State are a program with a third year head coach and, and Danny Sprinkle that won the Big Sky Conference. They've only lost a couple of times in this calendar year. They're 27 and seven overall. They've got three really good players. And, you know, they, they've had a really good season and these are, these are scary. You, you could say favorable matchup, but you're just not real sure uh, what you're going to get when you get these 15 C's and 14 C's, because a lot of times you, you, you really want in some ways that, that either mid-major or power five team that's really down mm-hmm. on those years. But instead, in these cases, you get these, these mid-majors that are, from programs that are used to winning, they win every year. However, that's not really what Montana State is, uh, at least in the last couple of years. I mean, they uh, phenomenal season this year, but but two years ago they were sixteen and fifteen, and then last year they were thirteen and ten. 
So it's not like they're just rolling out of bed and used to winning 25 plus games every single year. But, you know, get like anything else, it's uh, this is a this is a scary time for the the top seeded teams in the first weekend of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, so and like you kind of said, Montana State is definitely going to be a team that is just very much could be. We're happy to be here. We're just so excited to be in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. We're just, we're, you know, we're just here. It's fun. It's similar to the Texas Tech team back in, what was it, 2016 with Tubby Smith, mm-hmm. right? Like, that was very much a, oh, man, this is great. This is just exciting. Yeah, we got to, yeah, got to Raleigh and just, it was one of the, the 1130 game on that Thursday and you, you Butler beat you. And I feel like, man, this thing just started and we're already out. But again, you, you got to walk before you can run. And, and that, yeah. that kind of sets up everything else for, for that. But yeah, you're right. You're not, you know, and, and I tell you what else is interesting is Montana state just studying their team very briefly. They've got a very talented big. And I think that's a, a fascinating matchup because one, th- there's a couple things there. There's not a lot of those out there in the country. And, and so while you may have come into this game going, Bryson Williams is going to be a big-time advantage for whoever you play. Maybe not necessarily in this game. However, Montana State's going, well, we, we don't really have that advantage either. You know, so mm-hmm. because our, our guy, you know, the, the, I think you, you say his name. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm going to try to give this a go here. Jabril Bello. There you go. I think you got it right. Yeah. Yeah. Jabril Bello. But he averages a couple blocks a game, Mm -hmm. uh, 13 points, about seven boards. He's 6'9, about 250, built kind of very similar to to, to Bryson. And so that'll be kind of a fascinating matchup. Uh, But that's the one thing that I was kind of fascinated about, about what you would get here is that no matter what Montana State, whoever drew the Red Raiders, there's just something about this team's size and length that you have no appreciation for until you get out there and see it and have to deal with it. And you can, you know, cause what's happening right now at this very minute, everybody on Mark Adams's staff that has anything to do with the big sky conference or Montana state or Danny Sprinkle or anybody that was on their schedule, they're making calls like crazy. The same thing is going on vice versa. And anybody that's going to talk to Danny Sprinkle or on his staff is going to say, man, they're, they're really long. They're very athletic. You know, I, I can't emphasize that enough to you, coach. You, you better be ready for that. And they're not going to have a true appreciate. I don't care how much film you watch or whatever. That's the one thing that I'm kind of fascinated by this Texas Tech team because they are big. Oh, absolutely. And, and also, not only that, we're big and their best player is not. Right, like Xavier Bishop is five eight. He's their leading scorer on the team, and he's a bucket. He gets, he gets. I, I've, I've funny enough, I actually have seen a Montana State game. I've seen two of them actually, one in the regular <laughs> season and, and the Big Sky Championship. And he he can score. He can put the ball in the basket, but he's a little bit of a mighty mouse, right? He's he's the the type of guy that's quick fast, but he's small. He's tiny. He's going to have problems with our length. I mean, I look at a guy like Xavier Bishop going up against Adonis Arms. That is not going to be favorable for him whatsoever or against Kevin McCullough or any of our big guards. I, I think you nailed it. And, and let's, let's, let's like transition that into like big 12 wise. This is how you beat Baylor twice. James Akinjo is not the biggest guy. LJ Cryer is not the biggest guy. Mm-hmm. Adam Flagler is not the biggest guy. And I think that I remember, you, you know, we, we said that on the broadcast, but when you went to Waco and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at an undefeated Baylor team and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, but that was kind of the talk before that game. 
we think our length will bother them. And it did twice on the season. Yep. And and I think you 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 nail it right there because can can you know because uh, let's see here. Xavier Bishop is probably built like a Kenjo. He's built like Marquise Noel from uh, Kansas State. And, and, and those guys, while they had some moments, can they do it consistently? Can you do it consistently for, for 40 minutes? That's That'll be certainly key. I think, though, that overall, with your first-round matchup, you got a pretty good draw. I think in your second-round game, I think you got a pretty good draw. The, the tricky thing about Alabama – is that when they're good, they're really good. But the problem is they haven't been really good very much if that's who you end up seeing. Now, you're going to see the stats just like I am. Some of these first four game winners, they go into the tournament and actually win a game every year. And so maybe we're talking about Alabama for no reason. Maybe it's Rutgers or Notre Dame, but Nato's team will be very – yeah. Well, I will say, looking at this, when West Region first came out, I saw Rutgers. And Rutgers has Ron Harper Jr. And every tournament, there's a guy that just becomes a star. And Ron Harper Jr. is already a star. If you go, if you're on the East Coast, you know about Ron Harper Jr. and what he has done for the last two years. He's been incredible. And he is a guy for Rutgers to me is a very scary team. I know, I know uh, uh stat nerds don't really love them. They had I think they're gonna they have the lowest net ranking of any team that had was an at-large bid or bid. But Rutgers to me, they they play hard, they play aggressive, and they have a superstar in Ron Harper Jr. Notre Dame is always a well-coached team, but I actually think either of those teams, just looking at from the bracket just first being revealed, Alabama's on a three-game losing streak. I think either of those teams could beat Alabama in the first round. And Alabama's lost four of six, and you mentioned they limped into the uh, tournament here. They've lost. That's the other thing, too, is I'm, I'm sort of looking at all the Big 12-seeded teams. I mean, I, I, Iowa State limps into the tournament. They're an 11 seed. I thought they'd be a bit higher. But they get an LSU team uh, that doesn't have a head coach. Yeah, so there, there's a, there's so many exactly. different things that we could talk about. But, yeah, to your point, it may not, may, may not even be Alabama. But I think that it's pretty favorable, at least on paper. You've got to go do it, and you can't let – because what I was fearful of – is a team with really that's really disciplined and that shoots the three really, really well. Those were the two things that made me nervous. So when you start talking about like South Dakota State, you know, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even New Mexico State, because New Mexico State was kind of in that potential sweet spot of being a 13 or 14, and you scrimmage them in one of those secret scrimmages earlier in the year and they beat you. You're much different now than you were then. But that's what I was worried about is like this old disciplined group of, of guys that can just flat shoot and they're not going to freak out by the Red Raiders defense and they're just used to winning, but that's not exactly what you get here. And I think that's uh that's a good sign for Texas tech. Yeah. But I mean, the team you actually just described though is Notre Dame, right? That's the team you yeah. describe a good yeah. three point shooting team. Well coached, very disciplined. That's Notre Dame. And actually, and, and you, you bring it up and that's a great point. That is a team that can be an Achilles heel for tech, right? And a lot of the times I, I think of like athletic teams and, and and the fact that tech historically has struggled sometimes with athletic teams. But I think a team like Notre Dame could give us some problems here as well. I mean, I I will say this, I think, and, and maybe I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. I don't know. And we're, this is all predictions here, right? But like, I think a Bama win in the first round is a win for tech. I, I, both Rutgers and Notre Dame scare me much more than Alabama does. Right? And, and maybe... Yeah. 
too. Well, and, and I think to your point, uh, Albert, I, I think that the first, you just don't know what you're going to get. That's the fun part of the year. We, yeah. we can go and, and look ahead as much as we want. There's nothing, we're not jinxing anything or counting our chickens or whatever, but the first game in these tournaments or in these regionals, because you, if you're Mark Adams, you sit down and say, I'm not worried about Duke and Gonzaga and any of these other teams to deal. We need to go right here. This is a mini tournament, and that's all we're worried about. Yep. Right now, you're only worried about Montana State, and then you're only worried about Bama, Rutgers, Notre Dame. And so don't worry about the rest of it. But coaches will always tell you that first one is always hard to get. So you're not real sure what you'll get, you know, in that second game, because I mean, maybe somebody's got a little confidence and uh, they, they broke the seal and kind of feeling good about themselves. Who knows? But uh, yeah, Bozeman, Montana, the Bobcats from big, the big sky conference uh, be the red Raiders. And the West has been really good. Let's be honest too. The West has been really good to the red Raiders in, in recent years, That's right. you know, the That's West right. region, the West region is kind of a sweet spot. Uh, Gonzaga in your bracket is kind of a sweet spot. That's true. There's some similarities there to, uh, I mean, to, to 2019. Yeah, I was about to say, coming back to 2019, that is a very, very good point. And then talking about Montana State, you, you mentioned earlier as far as calling up all the coaches, right? And call, you're, we're going to call up every coach that played in the Big Sky, every coach that played in the Big Ten when it comes to Rutgers or, or uh, the ACC for Notre Dame, SEC for Alabama, et cetera. There's one coach, we do have an X factor because there's one coach on our staff that is very familiar with Montana State. Remember, Barrett Peary was a head coach for Portland State. He had to play yep. Montana State twice a year, every year for the past four years. And he looks at, he's a guy that probably saw the bracket, saw Montana State and said, I, I'm familiar with, they may have beaten me quite a few times, but I'm very familiar with this team. Well, think about, I, I would say this to you too, think about, how well did Jacob or Tanner Groves play against specifically Texas Tech this year in three games? If you just look at those, just those individuals, not very well. Not very well. Barrett Perry had seen these guys. He knew exactly what each guy was was about and had done and all those things for the last several years. But I think, yeah, that this is exactly what I was talking about because Coach Perry will have a very good familiarity with uh, just that part of the country and that that league and everything, everything like that. And he'll be leaned on heavily, you know, with with you know how, how really big is this guy? How really you know active are they? What's their culture? I mean, all that kind of stuff that you uh, that you would love to know about. But uh, I'd I'd love to know I'd love to know who on Danny Sprinkle's staff and who all they're going to call about uh, the Red Raiders. And you know, wouldn't you love to be a, a fly on the wall for some of those conversations and what what is conveyed back to uh, Montana State staff? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the first two guys you called the last two last two uh, coaches we played, right? You called Bill Self. You called Porter Moser. Both of those guys have beaten Texas Tech, and both yeah. of those guys have not only beaten Texas Tech but played them pretty well in at least two of the three games that they played yeah. against Tech. So that's those would definitely be the last two. So Chris, as we as we wind up here, I got to ask who's the one player from Texas Tech that you think really needs to stand up in this first weekend for Tech to to be able to advance to the Sweet Sixteen. Well, I, I think that, um, look, there, there was a lot of turnover issues, I thought. And, and, and I'm, you know, we're, we're being a bit picky here. But, again, this is what the time of the year when you can be and you have to be if you're going to beat really good teams. If you want to get to where you want to go, you've got to cut down on some of those mistakes where you just basically give the ball to the other team or you fling the – the, the one-handed pass trying to hit the home run and it's just not there. 
I, I get the, he started yesterday against the Jayhawks. I get the sense Kevin McCullough will have the ball in his hands a lot. I, I like some of the plays that Kevin makes at times. Sometimes I'm thinking, oh, you, you just don't have a true feel for, for the point guard part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that because there's one time Hax and I on the on the broadcast, we I, I said he, he was patient and played that pick and roll like Keenan Evans did. That's what that looked like. But then three or four trips later, he comes down the floor on a fast break and he's right down the center of the floor and he tries to drop off a pass at Kevin O'Banner's ankles in traffic. And, and it's just like, that's just not something you can do. Not against the Kansas. Can't do it. So there's some good. There's some bad. I, I would say, though, that if Kevin can really cut down on those mistakes and, and you don't have to go make every play, just don't don't give give teams the ball, because think about it. You know, there was a point in the first half where it was the turnovers were like six to one versus Kansas. We'll just use that as an example. Against an elite offensive team like Kansas, that's five more chances for your defense that's got to try to stop them or that they can score. That's just too many. You cannot do it. Not at this time of year. I, I think that's I, I I you know what Kevin McCullough is actually my pick, but I got now I got to choose somebody different because <laughs> I think Kevin McCullough <laughs> was a uh, is a great choice there. I mean, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit on the recap, but um, the the turnovers in that game against Kansas really did tech in just as much as the a, a lot of people are going to talk about the foul calls. I would say the turnovers were probably the number one, if, if or at least one A. Right. Um, and I think a lot of the times Kevin McCullough, he's great at calming the team down. He's great at kind of setting the pace, things like that. Sometimes he tries to put a little too much sauce. I know he's a, the Canes ambassador. He tries to make it a little bit too, too saucy. Right. Yes. So with a lot of his a lot of his pass. He has that that one handed pass that he had earlier in the tournament was great. We loved it. It was all over uh, Twitter, all over social media. But he, I feel like he tries to do that every other play and not every other not every play calls for that. So I do think that him calming down the turnovers would be great. You use a baseball analogy. It's like sometimes you try to hit one over the fence or you try to hit one in the gap for a double when a bunt single works just as well. And you can live a lot longer on bunt singles at times than trying to hammer one in the gap. But, you know, and again, those are kinds of things because you could pick it a lot. I'm going to assume Bryson Williams is going to have a really good tournament for you and he's going to be really consistent. We could have picked TJ Shannon's three point shooting or his turning the ball over too much. I'll Davion actually give Warren you a, turn the ball over too much. I'll give you another guy. And actually you just mentioned him, Davion Warren. I actually think I kind of expected Davion to play a little bit better offensively against Kansas in the last game, but I actually, I'm curious because he's the guy that I expect to be, and I don't know if he'll start or not, but on Bishop more than anybody, Davion Warren, right? Davion Warren has the quickness, has the speed to be able to, to play on Bishop and, and uh, defensively and he, him and Wilson, I think are the two guys that we're going to see on Bishop more than anybody else. So I think if Warren can play well defensively on Bishop and then offensively, again, and we talked about in the last episode, he doesn't have to be the three point marksman, but those mid range shots, those floaters that he's successful with a lot of the times, if he can just get those going and really make the defense attract to him, that just opens up more shots for arms, opens up more shots for McCullers, and then of course O'Banner. Yeah, and and I, and I think uh, I, I think O'Banner is is the guy that if if you if you talk about margin for error with your team, if he plays well on the glass or with his shot making. I just think it creates a much larger margin for error for your team than when he's not. Because when he's not, who is making threes if he's not? 
who is rebounding if he's not and like, you know, and then, then does it all fall on Bryson, you know, because, or like, and, and, and I say rebounding is like really the, those offensive rebounds, it, the, 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 you know, those putbacks and things like that. Cause Kevin's really done a good job with some of that or keeping possessions alive. Uh, talking about a banner, but when, when he kind of has, has had some of these games in the last month where he's just a non-factor, you, you, you look like not near the team. Then when he's playing well, it's like, look out. And part of that does, it comes with, if you could just mix in a couple of threes, cause he's just unconscious. Sometimes he's going to catch it. He doesn't need a lot of space. It's off to the races. We're drawing rain. That thing's going way up in the, in the ceiling and dropping down there. I mean, I haven't seen a guy shoot it that high of an arc. Uh, in a tech uniform in a long time, but he's a margin for error guy to me. Playing great, look out. Not playing great, okay. You, you yeah. may not. You know, a lot of other things need to go well uh, for you if 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 you're not getting the rebounding and the shot making from him. Absolutely, absolutely. So now we got to go. Now we have to. It's time for predictions, right? So I know you just we just saw the bracket. I'm not going to ask you for your national championship or oh, anything like that. Yeah. Right. If you want to see Chris's national championship prediction, you are going to be filling out a bracket in the uh, Tortillas and Takes Bracket Challenge, right? I can do that. Yes. That's right. So so make sure to, if you want to know what Chris is thinking about who's going to win the championship, um, we'll look out for his bracket on there. But I'm going to ask you two questions. First one up, does Texas Tech make it to the Sweet 16? Oh, I think so. Based on what I've seen right here, I absolutely think so. I think you'd be looking at a uh, – I think it could be a really fun – Build up to a game potentially against the Duke Blue Devils, San Francisco. I mean, right there in the arena that the the Warriors play in. I mean, inject that right into my veins. And it's not like it would be some home game for Duke or anything either. You know, there would yeah. be maybe a lot of people there rooting for or against Duke. I guess there would be a reaction. Uh, but uh, I think uh, I think that is that that would be a fascinating matchup if if that's what the way it played out. So I'm a I, I grew up a Duke fan. I, I I love Coach K. Right. I that is that is my guy. Um, and but for my alma mater, my favorite school to be the one that, that puts him into retirement. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I'd love it. I would love. I would absolutely love it. So, you, you know, uh, and, and Albert, but they, they, you know, they, I actually said that on the drive home last night, we were talking about all these top teams and we were kind of watching on the, I had it on my phone. We were driving, watching the end of the Virginia tech Duke game and Duke is not, they're kind of limping into the, this tournament too. loss against North Carolina to end the regular season. Then they, they, they get beat against Virginia tech. I mean, that's two losses in a week that, they're kind of like a bit of a this head is, scratcher. This is not a team that can handle pressure. Just the, yeah. this Duke team cannot handle pressure. They, this was a Duke team in the semifinals after going in. They were like, yeah, we want UNC. We want to win it for K. And then they lose to Virginia Tech in the final. Like they just cannot handle pressure whatsoever. Um, and it's do, a lot on these kids with the coaching situation. It's a lot. It is. But yeah, yeah and, and, they, and they, may be, uh, they may be feeling that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how far do you think Texas Tech goes? Well, I, I I do worry about the matchup versus Gonzaga. If that's what you get, that that is, um, you, you know, TJ Shannon didn't play in that game in Phoenix. You know, Gonzaga's played in in two of the last what four uh, title games. Uh, at some point, they're gonna they're gonna break through. That that one's the one that worries me of just getting to the Final Four more than anybody else. And again, they're probably the number one overall seed, right? Uh, I, well, I, I think that's right. It was them or Arizona, but they, yeah, no, they but, were, the, they were the number one overall uh, seed. The, no one you, overall seed. Yes. 
mind you, though, in 2019, they were the number yeah. one seed in our bracket. They were the scary, <laughs> they were the mm-hmm. scary team, and, and they had all those pros. And, yeah. and I, I mean, I remember that well. Uh, I, I do Rui Hachimura, and on and on it went. But that that their their uh, their length bothers me from the standpoint of Timmy and Holmgren. And I, I think that, that that day in Phoenix, they just started pouring them in with N- Nimhard and Richard Bolton and all that. And that, and again, that's what everybody has said about Tech. If they have really good bigs and and three point shooting, it's a it's a deadly combination because it's like you pick your poison. Like, okay, what do we try to take away? Well, against Gonzaga and Phoenix. You totally negated Holmgren and Timmy. That, that's probably the worst. Those two com- combo wise had played most of the season. However, that the rub was, boy, you left a lot of shooters open and they made you pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. So for me, I, I'll tell ahead. you, I think Kansas, Kansas got a great draw. By the way, as I look at it, I I, it, I hate seeing that. I think Kansas got uh, one hell of a. A draw. I mean, Iowa doesn't scare me. Providence, I think, is a really weak four seed, in my opinion. I saw them in person. LSU is the six seed. They don't even have a head coach. Wisconsin, I mean, okay. I mean, it's it just sometimes the, the Big Ten stuff is boring to me, but I just don't know if you can score with Kansas. And then Auburn. They've kind of started to to limp in well. a bit here. They're yep. they're very good defensively. They've got a, a really big time shot blocker. But if I was Kansas and I'm a Kansas fan looking at that their particular bracket, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we can work with this. And I hate saying that because I'm not exactly sitting here rooting for the Jayhawks. I'm just trying to call it like I see it. But they're really playing good right now. They're they're a good team. I, they were my I oh, yeah. them to go to the final four at the beginning. And I mentioned in the space that we held yesterday. Well, I predicted them to go to the final four um at the beginning of the season. Preseason, I had them on final four team. I thought they were one of the best teams in the country, and they haven't really done much to waver. And now that I mean, David McCormick had the best game of the entire season against Tech uh, uh, on on Saturday. And if he's Remy back, Martin, Remy, Remy Martin, Martin and McCormick, game. yeah, because you know what you're getting from Abaji and Brown. But if it's like all these extra parts come in, like look out, it, it just makes me nervous. But yeah. uh, but I, I'm I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the Bobcats from Montana State, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So for me, I think um, I also think we're going to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, both Rutgers does scare me probably the most out of all those teams early on, but I still think the tech ends up moving on past. I, I, I just thinking I haven't even found my bracket yet, but I'm probably picking a Alabama upset in the first round. Um, and I'm picking tech to beat Montana state. And I don't like saying this too much. Cause again, the NCAA tournament is wild. These are all just random predictions, but we don't really, we, we, we are just guessing at this point. Every, and anybody that tells you they're not guessing is lying because the NCAA tournament is a wild and wacky um, tournament. I mean, hell, Virginia lost to UMBC and got blown out, right? So anyway, anything can happen. But a 16 um, can be the one because guess what? Be it's one. happened before. Um, and so, but I am picking Tech to, blow, to win, beat Montana State by a pretty wide margin and then beat whoever they play in the second seed, second round. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Rutgers, but it could be whoever we play in the second round. Regardless of those three teams, I think Tech wins it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I agree with Chris, and we'll have that preview next week if Tech does make the Sweet 16. But I agree with Chris that the one team in the West region that scares me the most, the team that keeps me from going to, to Field of Gold uh, out in Lubbock and, and getting the finest bottle of wine they have and popping the the, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the wine bottle is Gonzaga. That is the team that scares me. Not, I think Duke's the weakest too, 
I think Duke, honestly, could lose to a four. That's how that's how weak I think they are at, at times. They played in a, the weakest ACC I've seen in years. And this is an ACC that halfway through the season, we thought Duke might be a one-bid school, right? And so Duke doesn't scare me, but Gonzaga still right now. I know we're a better team than when we played Gonzaga earlier. I just don't know if we've – I don't know if we're that much better. But we'll go – We'll hopefully we'll see more on that here next week. Um, Chris, is there anything else you want to say to the people? No, I'm I just you know, one more thought on the bracket. I, I think while I think well, you look at Kansas in the very favorable draw, I think Baylor got a really tough one. Uh, I don't with what I saw from Baylor in front of me the other day, they're going to basically try to go at this thing with about seven guys is all. Uh, LJ Cryer does not appear to be coming back. Obviously, they're missing Chachua. I just, I just think they're a very vulnerable one seed. And maybe it doesn't happen in Fort Worth, but I just don't see them going very far because the athleticism and length of Kentucky and the depth, uh, I think St. Mary's could potentially be a problem for them. Even North Carolina could be a problem for them in the second round, uh, although that'll be a, a Baylor home game there at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth. And, uh, and Purdue, with their giant they center from Canada. Well, yeah, they can and they can too. score. Yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. But I, as as good as it looks for Kansas on paper, I think it doesn't look as good for for the Bears. But hey, man, all things considered, I was rooting for geography today as much as anything, and like just hopeful maybe Fort Worth is like a, a a miracle. But then again, I was like, okay, just just get to San Antonio if you if you somehow can. All that's off the table. You're out west. San Diego, San Francisco, but again, if you can get to New Orleans, that's not too far away. The Red, well, Red Raiders could get to New Orleans. Uh, that's right, but uh, we didn't. We don't get geography, but I think on paper, it's a it's a pretty good draw considering. Listen, if Red Raiders can get to Minneapolis, they can get to New Orleans. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Bourbon Street uh, is a lot uh, a lot more fun too than uh, those cold cold blustery wintry streets yeah. there in downtown minneapolis i can assure you of that too that's right and we're gonna we're gonna be partying with jeff goodman he did say if tech makes a final four that he'd be out on bourbon street party with us so <laughs> we're gonna be partying there with jeff go. goodman if that does happen um okay. last thing that i'll say about this bracket is nothing makes my heart warmer than seeing that the two bid stealers that is virginia tech and richmond potentially stole bids from oklahoma and texas a&m oh that's fantastic <laughs> That is great. And life is yeah. good for the Raiders at the end of the day. And, and I don't I don't feel sorry for anybody that doesn't make it. If you didn't make it, win more games. That's the at Just the end like of the that. day, that, that's all it comes down to. You get caught up in the recency bias and how they've oh man, and everybody's talking about it on these days and these tournament games and all this stuff. It's about what you did on on March the 13th and, and 12th as it as it was when you whatever you're doing on November the 10th. You know, so you don't like it if you're at Oklahoma or AM or whoever else that got left out of this deal that people have an issue with. Win more games, the end. Win, it's win all, your all tournament. It comes down to. Win your tournament. That I mean, too. Look at, it's look all at Virginia yep. Tech. Virginia Tech was on they, the bubble. They went out and won it. It's as simple as that. Yep. So AM, Oklahoma, right. oh, AM especially, had an opportunity to beat Tennessee uh today. They didn't do it. They weren't they yep. thought they were in. Fans thought they were in. Well, <laughs> you don't want it if you don't want today, you'd be in. But anyway, so thanks, Chris. Again, like we talked about earlier in this podcast, we are the official podcast for Red Raider Sports. Very excited for that. Glad, glad to have the, the head honcho, Chris Level, here with us uh to talk NCAA. Uh, tournament March Madness. It's going to be a fun one. 
So stay tuned and make sure to fill out your bracket on the Tortillas and Takes Bracket Challenge. Great prizes, as mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, and you don't you don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out on them. So uh, for Chris Level from Red Raider Sports, this is Albie Shore, and you've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast. As always, stay racked, people. <laughs>